Amen. Thank you, Ruben and the worship team for leading us in an amazing time of worship. And it is the truth, Jesus Christ is our living hope. I'm Josh Reinha. Usually you see me in the 930 service helping with worship. Um, but today I've been given the opportunity to provide the message instead. And I want to thank Pastor Julio and the preaching team for allowing me to do this. So this past week, I was in Colorado with my fiance and soon-to-be in-laws, and we got to take a trip hiking in the mountains. Now, the mountains were absolutely beautiful, and I got to say, it's a great way to keep your social distance. So this is one of the views that we had. Um, man, the, the hike was great. The scenery was just absolutely amazing, but we faced a small dilemma along the way. Towards the end of the hike, I saw that the sky began to get a bit dark and uh, heard thunder, and I thought, well, here comes the rain, but that's okay, we're almost done. Didn't really know how much we had left, but we had been there a while, so I thought, it's not a big deal, we'll get to the end. But next thing I know, we're alternating between running and taking cover under a tree because we're not getting hit by rain, but we're getting hit by hail. And mind you, the hail wasn't very large at all, maybe pebble-sized, but it did hurt. And the fact that it was so small made it even more frustrating because now I had tiny little balls of ice hitting me nonstop. The hail definitely made for a very memorable experience and I wouldn't change anything about it. But if I had known ahead of time that it was going to hail, I probably would have opted out of going. Common sense would have told me to come back another day. I wouldn't have been willing to go on a seven-mile hike just to get pelted with hail at the end. Man, even if I knew that I was going to be sore the next day from the amount of hail that I experienced, I probably wouldn't have gotten up that morning. But what if it was necessary for me to abandon my safety and comfort by going through this treacherous hike, despite what logic, common sense, or reason would say? Despite the fact that my brain is telling me it's not worth going today, come back another time. Last week, we talked about Philip's successful ministry in Samaria, which probably made for a great place to be, as his ministry was proving to be fruitful. Common sense would tell Philip to stay where he is because it was working, but he didn't. And the passage we'll read today talks about how Philip was led by the Lord to leave a thriving Samaria and go to a desert road. Why leave and why go to a desert road where there are little to no people to minister to? This defies common sense. Let's open up to Acts 8, 26 to 40. That's where we'll be today. Verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. 
This man had gone to Jerusalem to, to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is a passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. We're continuing with the series On the Move, which focuses on the entire book of Acts. We've gone from the beginning of the gospel movement to the killing of Stephen, to the church scattering, taking the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, and now to a desert road. Philip, who just did the work of the Lord in Samaria, having a whole city believe, is now told by an angel of the Lord that he is to travel to a desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he's going from what may seem like the climax of his ministry to a desert road. And I don't know about you, but a desert road does not sound fun. But God knew what he was doing when he commanded Philip to leave Samaria, where the spirit would reveal God's plan. In the beginning of this passage, God is speaking to Philip through his angel, preparing him to do his work sending him to an uncommon and most likely undesirable place to go. But it seems that Philip doesn't hesitate, doesn't challenge God on this call. He simply goes. Now, how many times do we as followers of Christ who have the spirit guiding us reject a call simply because it's just too uncomfortable? Like I said, a desert road does not sound fun. And I think about how today we may be called out of the comfort of our home to serve the Lord. Out of our wonderful home was central AC or window units, if you have those, uh, into an environment that's just not nice, hot and sweaty. And look at that amazing central AC unit. That's what Maybe a lot of us have, and it's wonderful. It's definitely a blessing, but I can't tell you how many times I've been in on a conversation where someone gets back from a mission trip, and one of the first things that comes up is AC, and centers around the lack of it. 
Or it could be that our service is often determined by whether our friends or family or people that we're familiar with will be involved. And if they're not going to be there, then we'd rather not because it would just be too uncomfortable to do it without them. And we might not admit it, but we can also be unwilling to answer the call to serve because we just don't want to be around different people. Or we might simply justify our lack of service by saying we don't connect with people outside of the church because we're too busy within the church, making sure the lights work and the seats are comfortable. But really, we're just unwilling to leave what's working, what's familiar, what's comfortable. I might be exaggerating a bit, but I make this point because we tend to focus on how much or how little comfort we'll have in God's work. That even small things like an AC, like AC becomes of concern. Philip, disregarding his own desires, displays a great example of the very first part of the Great Commission. He goes, Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus commanding us followers to go to anyone and anywhere he sends us. And Philip does just that. He's obedient to, to God's call and goes to a desert road and approaches a man who's an outsider. And to provide some context on this traveler, he's an Ethiopian man and to the Jew, a Gentile. So he's an outsider. He's also called a eunuch here. And now whether he was a physical eunuch or not is not certain, but the emphasis of the term eunuch may suggest that he was. Now, if this is the case, he was not allowed in the synagogue and he was not allowed to be a convert. He was simply unwanted by the Jews. There's also the chance that he could have been given the title eunuch simply because of the position he held rather than his physical condition. But whether or not this is the case, Philip, rather than worrying about his identity as a eunuch, approached him without hesitation. And to add, this traveler is also a man of high status, which may have made him a bit unapproachable by many as he was the treasure under the queen of Ethiopia. Philip disregards race, cultural differences, identity, embracing the call to all nations. Also, notice that what happens to Philip here is special. He was guided by the angel of the Lord in the beginning of this passage and later by the spirit and given specific directions to go to the chariot and talk to this man. Now, this is just not a common way that the spirit interacts with us on a daily basis. We don't get this exact call, exact instruction all the time. So you might be saying, well, I mean, that's why I'm not doing anything. That's why I haven't gotten up to go talk to that guy about Jesus because I just wasn't led to. Or, you know, I just haven't been given God's coordinates. Well, allow me to share with you that your call, your call came way before you and way before Philip. 
As mentioned earlier, before Jesus ascended, he commissioned his disciples. He commissioned us to continue the work of the Lord. And our directions as followers of Christ are found in the Great Commission. So here's the whole Great Commission, verses 19 through 20. It's in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach all that he has commanded. Now that sounds like a pretty loaded command and a pretty specific command. So there's your call. But remember that he does say that he's with us always to the very end of the age, making the point that it's not through our power, but through his power that we're able to do such a big command. To add, there was also no specific prompting for Philip or the other disciples in Samaria when they witnessed to those people. They were simply obeying the call to witness. If you look just earlier in the same chapter, Acts 8.4 says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So the disciples, the people in Samaria talking to these people about the gospel, they were not given specific directions. They were not given coordinates by God. They were simply told to witness, to proclaim the name of Jesus, and that's what they did. And those who were scattered were equipped with the Holy Spirit. The spirit that led Philip in Samaria and now to the Ethiopian man. Back in Acts 1, Jesus commissioned his disciples as witnesses empowered by the spirit. If we look at Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples were capable of witnessing and doing the work of God because the spirit reveals God's work. And we are equipped with the same spirit. Now Philip has approached the man and hears him reading the prophet Isaiah and asks him, do you understand what you are reading? And he says, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? So the, that is when the Ethiopian man invites Philip to sit with him. God has intentionally placed Philip on this road at this time of day to meet the eunuch and provide guidance in interpreting the scriptures. The eunuch is in need of someone to translate the scripture from Isaiah for him. And without assistance, he would just be continuing to go through a message that does not make sense, that is foreign to him, that is simply foolish to an unbeliever. If we look, the Bible explains that the gospel, the word of God, is foreign to those who don't believe. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And again, in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Without the spirit, we can't 
grab hold of the scripture and the truth that it is. The spirit reveals God's word. As followers of Christ, we have been gifted with the Holy Spirit that provides discernment in interpreting the scriptures and in leading others in doing so. So we shouldn't be content with allowing someone to read the word on their own and find their own way while we sit idly by watching them misinterpret and misunderstand what they're reading. And it's, it's not simply about having an education or being knowledgeable. If we look at the Ethiopian man, he was, he was a treasure under the queen, which probably meant he was a man of intellect and could grasp difficult things, complex things, yet even he couldn't grasp the word of God. We're called to come alongside someone and guide them through scripture. Now, Philip and the Ethiopian are sitting with each other as Philip has been asked to help interpret Isaiah's prophecy. So let's go back to that prophecy and brush up on what was said there. Verse 32 to 33, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch then asks in verse 34, tell me please who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. Jesus was led like a sheep to the slaughter, knowing all of the suffering and torment would lead to his death on the cross. And as a lamb before its shearer, Jesus was sheared, stripped of everything. Even the father looked away. Jesus was naked and vulnerable as anyone has ever been, but he did not open his mouth, staying silent and patient, accepting that he must endure immense suffering and even death to redeem the very people who betrayed him. When Philip is asked what the prophecy means, he seizes the moment to tell him about the good news of Jesus. If we look at verse 35, then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, we don't get much detail here about what Philip said to the eunuch, but we can appreciate the simplicity of what is being said here. He keeps the focus on what matters most, and that is Jesus. The Lord led Philip all this way to proclaim the name of Jesus. The biggest revelation found here is the gospel. Philip shares the gospel or the good news of Jesus with the eunuch transforming his life. Now, this past spring break, I had the opportunity to serve on a mission trip called Beach Reach at South Padre Island and here, we provide free van rides and free food to those who are on vacation there. And typically it's an opportunity for us to provide food and safety to those who are in need, to those who are usually drinking and partying and gonna need a ride to get back home. And the main objective of our time there is to witness to people, to proclaim God's name. So one night, I'm on a van shift 
where we pick people up and take them to their next destination. And this shift lasted till about 3 a.m. And mind you, we're doing this every day of, of the week and it gets very exhausting. So by this point in the night, I'm looking forward and probably everyone else in that van is looking forward to our beds as we neared the end of the shift. We had one last van ride to go and I can't speak for anyone else, but I know that I was saying, all right, we got one more. Let's get out of here and get to bed. Well, that wasn't God's plan. A young guy, probably in his early 20s, walked into the van with bloodshot eyes and an ice pack to his shoulder. It looked like this guy had already been through a long night and may have experienced some of the hail that I got earlier. So I'm thinking that he's not gonna entertain a conversation at all, but I was wrong. A five minute van ride became a two hour long debate. We opened up the floor for a discussion about Christ and it quickly became a conversation about theological and philosophical questions. And this guy had a rebuttal for everything we said. He had an argument, he had an answer, he had a question to everything we threw at him. And it was no longer about the gospel. Now I'm not saying that these type of conversations are wrong. They can be productive in the right setting. But this wasn't the time because our objective was to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And we weren't doing that because we had left that objective a few minutes into the conversation. And I finally had enough, probably, probably because of my lack of sleep. And also I realized that what was needing to be said hadn't been said. And I said, look, man, we can go on all day with all these questions about morality, science, philosophy, but you're going to walk away. But if you're going to walk away with anything, let it be this. There's only one truth and one way to everlasting life. And that's found in Jesus. He came down and died on the cross for our sins, for your sins, and has provided a way for you to be redeemed. Everything you find here is temporary. It will fail you, but Jesus won't. And despite all of your sins, he has shown you undeserving love and there's nothing that you did for it or could do for it. He didn't say a word, no arguing this time. No, but in his sentence, his whole demeanor changed. And I believe it's because he heard something different. He heard the truth. He heard something that couldn't be ripped apart by logic or reason. He didn't turn to Jesus that night, but he did hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And you might be saying, and you might even say that this guy had an encounter with the spirit. I'm not saying that he received the spirit in that moment. He didn't, but he came into contact with a van full of people with the spirit and received a message delivered by the spirit and was shut down by that power. The spirit reveals himself through our witness. The spirit revealed himself through the witness of Philip when he opened his mouth to speak of Jesus. 
And the story doesn't stop there. The eunuch wishes to be baptized, showing an immediate result of Philip's witness. It also shows that we can make the conclusion that he came to Christ, that he now made him Lord of his life, and this desire to be baptized showed his desire to be obedient to God. And the eunuch goes on rejoicing. Although we don't have any accounts to show what the eunuch did when he got back home, back to Ethiopia, but we can make a biblical observation and say that he took the message back with him and proclaimed that message because we know that someone who is now in Christ is compelled to share the good news. As for Philip, he continues his ministry. He's suddenly taken away by the spirit of the Lord, which is pretty cool, and continues preaching from Azotus to Caesarea, God taking up Philip from the road One, it saved him from a very long, tiring trip, but it also confirms that what happened here was of God. It confirms that the transformation that the eunuch had and the baptism that took place was God's doing, was God's work, was God approved. Philip defied common sense. It made sense to stay in Samaria. But if he had just stayed in there where things were going well and rejected God's call, the spirit would have never revealed to him that that there was a person at the end of the road waiting to hear the good news. He would have missed it. But he obeyed the call and took part in the historical transformation of the Ethiopian eunuch. And this isn't old news or old commands. It's what we're called to do today and witness to those who don't know the gospel. And I'd like to share one more story. One summer I was, I sat down with a high school student named Dylan at a camp that I worked at, a church camp. And we had this time within the week where we allowed the students to reflect and maybe talk to staff if they wanted to about what God was doing in their life. So I'm sitting on this bench waiting for a student to approach me and he does. I'd seen this kid earlier. I gotta say he was the life of the party. He had a huge horse head that he weared everywhere. He had the flag waving it around everywhere he went for all the rec games. I think he even took it into the cafeteria and I thought, man, this guy is having the time of his life. But I was wrong. And the spirit allowed me to see that something wasn't right. He expressed to me that he felt like he wanted to do, he wanted nothing to do with Christ and would rather live for himself but still wanted to hold on to being a Christian. So we went on for about an hour discussing about, discussing what it meant to be a follower of Christ and came to the conclusion that it just wasn't what he wanted. We uncovered the fact that everything he did for God was really just an attempt to fit in and please his family. He broke into tears realizing he just wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to live life, try new things, be young, and not be held down by Christianity. 
and he wasn't changing his mind. But before we left that table, the good news of Christ was shared. The spirit used that conversation to show Dylan that his life did not reflect that of a believer. So we fast forward to the next summer and I'm serving food. I'm told that a dude named Dylan is looking for me and I go to the back of our cafeteria where I find him. And the moment I see him, I see joy. And in that moment, the spirit revealed to me that something was right. And he said to me, hey, well, you know how I just wanted to do my own thing? Well, that didn't work out. I'm following Christ now. I've, I've started a Bible study with my friends and I just can't get enough. I didn't get specific directions to sit at that table, but the spirit allowed me to see that this kid, Dylan, was hurting and in need. He used me to help Dylan see he lacked Christ. And after that first encounter, the spirit revealed to him what he needed. God reveals himself to us through the spirit and the spirit reveals himself to others through us. As we end here today, I leave you with this. As a follower of Christ, remember that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, allowing you to understand and hear God's call, be obedient to the call and proclaim a Christ-centered gospel. But if you don't know Jesus, if you're not a follower today, I pray that today's message has opened the door to truth. If all of this has sounded like nonsense, please just walk away with this. Turn to Jesus and follow him. He'll take care of your sins. He'll transform your heart and your desires will become his desires. This isn't an invitation to religious practices or tradition or even prosperity. It's a proclamation of the truth and a passionate cry for you to turn to Jesus. That's where you can find everlasting joy and walk away rejoicing as the Ethiopian man did. So I encourage you to take this time to respond, to act on what you've heard today in this passage in the word of God. And I have two simple responses. The first one for the believer, listen to the spirit's call to obedience and action as you follow Christ. Listen. And the second, if you're not a believer here today, again, I encourage you, I plead with you to answer the call to repentance, leaving your old life and embracing the new one found in him. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today asking that you remind us of what you've gifted us with and that's the Holy Spirit that guides us provides us with discernment, gives us the power to do your work, to understand your scripture, to help others do the same, and to witness to those and proclaim the good news of Jesus. I pray that you would 
reinstill that desire in us, that fire to move forward and proclaim your name. That if we've just allowed our situation, our current situation to hold us back and and keep us at home and not do anything, I pray that you would open our eyes to ways that we can continue to connect with people even if it's not physically or the same as before. And I pray that if there's anyone listening today, anyone that's gonna come in contact with this message and the word that you've provided for us that doesn't know Christ, that their eyes, their hearts would be open to you, that your name would be revealed to them, that you would come down and save them from their pain and misery and death and redeem them and provide them with new life. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for who you are and giving us another opportunity to live for you. And we pray that we can walk away from this message with boldness, with a willingness to hear, with a willingness to act on the command, on the call that you've given us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.